beautiful bell breakers. This is Bill Filter with your weekend wrap-up sitting from the bell tower. Craig is on a much-needed vacation, so I am sitting in the captain's chair. You get me solo this week, which is, I know, a special treat for both of us. So hopefully I don't screw this up. We'll see what happens. So a lot of things going on in the news today. We got uh, the Joe Biden great hits, our commander-in-chief, our own El Capitan, who is screwing the pooch. And a lot of chickens coming back to roost. Um, We got a couple things going on overseas, and then we'll bring it back here. I'm not sure how long we'll go. Usually Craig is the responsible one and keeps me on track. But without him here to help me get derailed, I think we'll be okay. So bear with me. Again, we're at the Bell Tower doing your weekend wrap-up, and we're going to get into it. So first off, if you all remember when Joe Biden came into office, one of his first things he decided to do was to kill the Keystone Pipeline and to put a moratorium on oil. So this week, Joe Biden goes and starts asking OPEC to pump more oil because the economy needs it after the pandemic. This is from the New York Post. It says, uh, Joe Biden's latest policy push has us doing a triple take. Um, he is begging OPEC to boost fossil fuel prote- uh, production. It says, OPEC must do more to support the recovery. The Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries and its allies cut 10 million barrels a day, 10% of global demand at the pandemic start as the demand dried up. It's since raised output by about 4.2 million barrels a day and promises to add another 400,000 barrels a day until it's back to pre-COVID levels. This is simply not enough, said Sullivan, as Biden has made clear that he wants Americans to have access to affordable and reliable energy, including at the pump. Bullshit. We know Biden is pushing a green agenda. The last thing he wants us to do is have affordable gas. Uh, That's my own words, not from the article. That's news to us on his first day. Well, they're repeating me, actually. Biden killed the Keystone XL pipeline, which would have brought 830,000 barrels of Canadian oil a day down and thousands of good-paying jobs with it. In March, he put a moratorium on oil leasing on federal land, which a judge later found to be illegal. Later, he canceled Trump-era oil leases in Alaska. Biden has made combating climate change a top priority. God bless him, and thank you for it, right? And declared war on the American energy industry to do it. But somehow foreign carbon fuels get exempted. He waived sanctions to Russia's Nord Stream 2 pipeline that aims to get gas to Germany. And now he's pushing Saudi Arabia and other less-than-democratic countries to pump even as his team confesses it isn't making the same ask of domestic producers. Why not? Those are jobs that are desperately needed. Again, that's me narrating. Because gas is at $3.18 a gallon, up more than a dollar from last year, do the added emissions from tankers shipping oil here not count? That's a good point. An energy-independent America can make better foreign policy decisions, particularly in the Middle East. That's something we've always talked about. Why are we so dependent on these unstable countries that are hostile to us? Uh, Under President Donald Trump, the nation was becoming the world's top energy producer, but Biden's keen to appease environmentalists at home would rather gut the American industry, make the oil reliant on foreign oil, and tie his own diplomatic hands. As we were saying at the beginning of this president's uh, inauguration, 
Uh, Joe Biden is bought and paid for, and that includes by the the Green Warriors. And he's going to do whatever he can to appease them, and now he's seeing the fruits of that labor, and he's got to find ways around it and loopholes around it. So he's going to competitors. He's going to countries that don't like us very much to see if they can up their their bounty and uh, keep us going. It's not a not a good place to be when you're coming on your knees begging as the uh, the world's leader in democracy and and freedom to countries that uh, don't really care all that much. And um, Biden is is putting us in a really precarious uh, situation rather than going to domestic sources, which, again, would be beneficial to the economy and uh, create jobs. I know some of the states, I believe Texas, um, Utah, Idaho, they've come out and been like, um, we can do it. Why are you going over there? Uh, but Biden does not want to go to his knees to a GOP state. That is the last thing he wants to look even weaker than he already is. Um, the oil prices are going to keep going up. Um, he's going to owe a couple to uh, OPEC, but that's what they like. They like to see that. Um, I'm not a biggest fan of Trump, but he did have us on a pretty good footing as far as uh, domestic energy uh, production goes. So it's really sad to see us go in reverse course, um, again, for Biden capitulating to these green warriors, and it's just making the country less. Um, keeping on the international trek, um, again, um, this is something that Trump actually started uh, with the withdrawal of U.S. troops. Uh, Trump had said that we'd be out by May. Biden pushed it back to September, most likely wanting to uh, coincide with the 20th anniversary of September 11th. You know, they like the symbolic stuff. However, since U.S. forces have started pulling out, um, the Taliban's been expanding. And this story uh, comes from NBC, really makes it look more like a Vietnam situation. As uh, as troops are, are scrambling to get back to Afghanistan to help the U.S. embassy workers evacuate as the Taliban pushes to Kabul. So again, this is from NBC News. Um, it says, American forces began their mission to evacuate U.S. embassy workers on Saturday as Taliban fighters continued to advance on the country's capital. The story of 3,000 troops began on Friday with the Pentagon described as a limited mission to evacuate the embassy workers. One U.S. Army and two Marine battalions are expected to arrive on Sunday. A Taliban spokesman told NBC News the group were aware of U.S. deployment, but said the militant group would only act against U.S. forces if provoked. He did not say whether the group would halt its advance on the Capitol while the evacuations were taking place. So what's the odds that they're going to try not to provoke U.S. forces? Uh, what's the odds that they're going to not try to poke the bear, right? You got armed Marines trying to get embassy workers out. And then all of a sudden, here you go. You got Taliban moving in. They've already claimed the second and third cities. They're already pulling girls out of school. They're pulling girl, uh, women off of um, these, these jobs they've had, these very respectable jobs, and, and putting them in the place of disrespect and devalued devalued positions. You know, that's what the Taliban does, unfortunately. And a lot of Afghanistan 
you know, we're creating a whole new generation of enemies as they look at the fact that the United States evacuated. Um, they just abandoned them, left them on the ground at the will of the Taliban when a lot of them were um, – they helped American forces, right? So you got enemies of the U.S. forces coming through, and you were hospitable to American forces. How do you think that's going to make you look in their eyes? How do you think they're going to treat you? Um, it says, elsewhere in the north of the country, Gol Raman Hamdard, a lawmaker from the Balkh province, confirmed to NBC News – that all of its cities, including the capital, Mazar-e-Sharif, were under Taliban control. Afghanistan's president, Ashraf Ghani, meanwhile, sought to reassure the population in a brief and vague televised address early Saturday. He says consultations with local leaders and the international community were underway, and he still had hopes of being able to stop the ongoing imposed war on Afghan people, so more people should not die. I know you all are worried about your present and future, he said. I, as your president, ensure you I aim to reduce violence and stop migration of people. Yeah, right. That sounds reassuring because he's got all the power. However, one Taliban commander told NBC News that the militant group would soon conquer and free Kabul. Oh, good. They're going to free it. He added that it would be as easy as the recent capture of key cities of Kandahar and Karat, which marked the biggest prizes yet for the militant group's campaign. And that pisses me off, because if you paid attention to the, the war and the U.S. troops over there, Kandahar was a bitch. I mean, there is a lot of American lives that were sacrificed over there. Now, I'm not one that thinks that America needs to be in place to be the world's police. Um, but we screwed up and we went there. And we caused a lot of the problems that they're now facing and a reliance on the U.S. military. And then they up and leave. And, and, and again, it, it, it was all in vain. I mean, what, 20 years down the toilet, right? I, again, I, I think U.S. troops should be back in the United States. I don't think you know they should have to be there on a regular basis. But I guess where do you draw the line, right? Whose responsibility is it? Um, the U.S. went over there. They created, they helped create this mess. They needed to clean it up. I, you know, you spend 20 years over there trying to train Afghan troops to try to build an Afghan infrastructure. You know, I don't know if they can't hold it. I, I don't know what to do about that. You know, is it the U.N.'s responsibility? I mean, the United States, again, you know, shouldn't be over there to begin with. But because they were, now they're creating this huge vacuum. vacuum, And it's it's not going to be a pretty place here shortly. Um, Once they have Kabul, they have the whole country, said Bruce Gentleson, a professor of public policy and political science at Duke University. Gentleson also served as senior advisor to the State Department policy planning director under the Obama administration, added that he thought they could take the city pretty soon. That's why we're evacuating Kabul, he said, adding that he thought the Taliban's rapid gains had surprised Joe and Biden's administration, although he did not think that the lesson in this was U.S. troops staying longer. When you give a country 20 years and hundreds of billions of dollars in American lives, that's a pretty strong commitment. And it's not working. There's a point at which you end it, he said. At what cost? That's Mike.
narration. Biden earlier this week expressed no regrets over a decision to push forward with the U.S. withdrawal. Of course, why would he? Afghan leaders have to to come together, he told reporters at the White House. He, we lost thousands of death and injury, thousands of American personnel. We've got to fight for themselves. They've got to fight for their nation. I agree, they do. But they don't know how. And uh, again, when do you when do you pull back, right? When do you when are they secure enough that they feel you feel like they can do what they need to? I mean, it it's a different mindset over there than it is over here. You know, you have a country that's been dominated and and enslaved for so long. You know, there there really is a, a victim mentality, and so when you got the big boy on the block standing there, it's easy to stand up and feel secure. But once the big boy's gone, you don't know what you're doing. You don't you don't know how to fight. You don't know what you're fighting for. And I think that's what the big part is, is that they've never experienced um, actual independence, actual freedom. And so they, they don't know the value of it because it's it's been given to them. It's been lorded over them. And so there's, they don't know the value of it. I, I think that that's the real pop problem. Um, so to recap, um, some of Biden's greatest hits so far internationally, um, Biden, you know, he cut the domestic oil supply and now he's going to OPEC to see if they can pump more. A friend of mine who lives down in Texas, uh, in uh, Odessa, she had told me that during Trump's administration, when gas prices were really low, the city was hurting pretty bad. Um, she said that everybody was really scared. And um, but now with Biden in and gas prices up, the city's thriving. And I found that really odd because, you know, usually you see Texas and, and oil producers as Republicans or fans of the Republicans. And um, but the fact that they suffer under Republicans, it was odd to me. Um, and then here we go under dem- Democratic leadership when the prices go up. But they're they're not Democrats. And so, the, again, the situation is very odd to me. And then I, I compare that with the gun problem – or not the gun problem, I'm sorry, but the, the view on guns. When you have a Republican in the office, you don't hear anything about um, gun control. Um, it's really easy to find ammunition, really f- easy to find guns. No one's afraid their guns are going to be taken. But you get a Democrat in office, and all of a sudden gun prices go up, ammunition goes up. It's really hard to find. They have to ration the sales of ammo. And – and so why are so many gun companies, the NRA, whatnot, um, Republicans? Because it seems like the business thrives so much when it's, when it's Democrat. I mean, do they secretly give money to the Democrats because they don't um, – because they know that their business is going to boom when there's a Democrat in the office? I mean, when you think about capitalism, you would almost think that's that's got to be fact. It's a really bizarre situation. It's a really weird dichotomy to me. Um, moving locally, let's see here. We got a pro- lot of problems with these freaking vaccines. Not problems. Well, they are problems. So a couple things here. Um, let me see here. This is from um, WKYC. Okay, this is uh, a Cleveland, Ohio news station. And this uh, report is uh, more U.S. cities are requiring proof of vaccination to go to places. 
says, so far, New York City, New Orleans, whoa, hello. New Orleans and San Francisco have mandate proof of vaccination to go inside many places. It says, hold on to that vaccination card. A rapidly growing number of places across the U.S. are requiring people to show proof they have been inoculated against COVID-19 to teach school, work at a hospital, see a concert, or eat inside a restaurant. Now, when I first heard of this, this really pissed me off. Well, it still pisses me off. Um, But the cities that are doing it are no surprise. New York, New Orleans, San Francisco, L.A., Chicago. I mean, these are your usual suspects of, you know, um, authoritarian um, practices, right? When you had New York saying you can't get a pop bigger than um, 20 or, uh, yeah, 20 ounces, you know, and those of you not in the in Iowa, pop is soda, Coke, um, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, that was a huge point of contention when I moved here. Anyways, um, it's the usual suspects and people that live there. You know, I, I, I don't know if that's they, they look forward to these things. You know, I don't know why they stay there. Maybe they don't have the money to move out. I mean, it's so expensive to live there anyways. I mean, it just seems ridiculous to me. Um, It says, uh, following New York City's lead, New Orleans and San Francisco will impose such rules at many businesses starting next week. Well, Los Angeles is looking into the idea. The new measures are an attempt to stem the rising tide of COVID-19 cases that are pushed hospitals to the breaking point, including in the Dallas area. Have you heard this narrative picking up again? It's the, oh, no, our hospitals are overflowing. There's no not enough hospital beds. I personally can't attest to that fact. I just know that I don't know anybody who um, has Delta. I don't know anybody who is suffering. And from what I've heard, if you've had the vaccination, you don't. The, it's not going to be that bad. Um, people that have not gotten the vaccination are primarily younger folk that may not be affected as much. So, I, again, I don't know if it's valid what they're saying or if it's just the narrative they're pushing. Uh, It says the new measures are, uh, let's see, Dallas County Judge Clay Jenkins said the situation is so dire that if a parent is seeking care for a sick or injured child, your child will have to wait for another child to die. That's dark shit right there. (laughs) Your child will just not get a ventilator. Your child will be care flighted to Temple or Oklahoma City or wherever we can find them, a bed. But they won't be getting one here unless one clears. So basically, if your kid needs care, you just need to wait for another kid to die. Now, my understanding from COVID is it doesn't affect the young very much unless they have pre-existing conditions, which there are out there, but not in mass numbers. Uh, Earlier this week, Jenkins ordered that masks be worn inside schools, county buildings, and businesses after a judge blocked Texas Governor Greg Abbott's ban on such rules. The country is not requiring, I'm sorry, the county is not requiring people to show proof of vaccination. On Friday, the Chicago School District, the nation's third largest district with more than 360,000 students, announced it will require all its teachers and other employees to be fully vaccinated by mid-October, unless they qualify for a medical or religious exemption. I wonder what religion that has to be. Philadelphia has decreed that healthcare workers and college students and staff members must get their shots by mid-October. New Orleans Mayor Latoya Cantrell called proof of vaccination the best way to protect businesses. She said she is not imposing capacity limits or contemplating a shutdown similar to the one that devastated businesses in 2020. That's good because I don't see anybody really putting up with that, especially in a city like New Orleans where tourism is huge. 
Unlike this time last year, we have a tool that we did not have, vaccinations. Over the past two weeks, Louisiana has set daily records for the number of people hospitalized with COVID-19, reaching 2,900 patients on Friday. 91% of those hospitalized are unvaccinated, according to state data. Louisiana Democratic Governor John Bell Edwards sounded the alarm about the risk of overloaded facilities with too few staff to handle the crush of people with the coronavirus illness to stop on top of the car crash victims, heart attack patients, and others. See where this is going. They're talking about flattening the curve again because that was why we went into the, the two-week flatten the curve shutdown last time because they were afraid that the bit, hospitals would get overwhelmed, they wouldn't have enough equipment, and they, you know, remember they, they sanctioned these ships to come into New York and they had these special COVID centers that ended up being empty. It ended up being just this huge farce. Um, continuing. Um, uh, in addition to those numbers, actually, um, that they just quoted from Louisiana. Did you see in, um, I believe it was Florida, um, the DeSantis came out and and slammed the CDC because they said the CDC was using false numbers. Their their numbers are way off on COVID, and uh, and so the CDC ended up coming back and 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 changing the numbers they, because they were like this is the highest total daily total that we've ever seen for COVID. Well, DeSantis came out and said, "No, hold hold your horses. This is not a daily total. This is multiple days put together." And and you're saying it's one day. He said, this is bullshit. And so um, CDC came out and said, oh, my bad. Um, we, we screwed up. And they changed it. Same thing happened in Texas with children. As they CDC came out and said that COVID numbers are way up for children in Texas. And so the Texas um, uh, government ended up coming out and be like, no, 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 no. Your numbers are all screwed up. You need to change them. And so the CDC said, see, again, oh, our bad. Uh, we forgot to move a decimal point. We'll fix it. So how do you how do you follow an organization with the credibility and the track record so bad as the CDC? I mean, seriously, if I was that inaccurate with reporting numbers and changing science constantly, then I don't think anybody would believe me. I mean, you're, you're crying wolf, basically. So these people that still swear by the CDC, you, you got a lot of faith. You really do, because I just couldn't do it. Um, Philadelphia has decreed that healthcare workers and college students and staff members must get their shots by mid-October. Um, let's see here. It says um, we the Democratic governor John Bill Adams uh, or Edwards went on to say we are rapidly getting to the point where we should have a major failure of our healthcare delivery system. Officials hope the proof of vaccination requirement will translate into significant numbers of people getting the shots, something cash prizes and scholarships were unable to do. If it was that important, don't you think people would be moving for cash prizes and scholarships? Only 38% of Louisiana's population is fully vaccinated, but the numbers of people seeking their first shot have increased dramatically over the past month. With nearly 46% of Louisiana's residents starting the vaccine series, critics say that requiring people to be vaccinated to enter a business violates their rights and their privacy. Fuck yeah, it does. At least 
18 states led by Republican governors or legislators prohibit the creation of so-called vaccine passports or ban public entities from demanding proof of vaccination. Several of those, including Alabama, Florida, Iowa, Montana, North Dakota, and Texas, also bar most businesses from denying service to those who aren't vaccinated, and God love them for it. President Joe Biden has urged cities to adopt proof of vaccination requirement for restaurants and other businesses. Fuck him. New York City's policy, which applies to restaurants, bars, and other such venues, will go into effect on Monday. But inspections and enforcement won't begin until September 13th, the week, be, um, the week schools will reopen. Uh, the city is also demanding that all of its municipal workers, including teachers and police officers, get vaccinated by mid-September or face weekly testing. I, I would hate it, but I would take weekly testing. San Francisco went one step further than New York, requiring patrons at indoor restaurants, bars, gyms, and entertainment venues to show they are fully vaccinated. The rule will take place August 20th. That's one week. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention issues people paper cards when they get their shots. California is among a few states that have established an online record with a barcode. Wow. How would you like to be assigned a barcode? That really uh, dehumanizes you, doesn't it? Um, Los Angeles is considering a vaccine requirement indoor businesses. Leaders were voted Wednesday to direct city attorneys to work out the details. Also, Wednesday, Governor Gavin Newsom, everybody's favorite governor that now that Cuomo's gone, said all employees at public and private schools in California will have to show proof of vaccination or face weekly testing. So that is beautiful stuff. Uh, and mentioning everybody's favorite governor, uh, Cuomo, he is no longer governor. And uh, that is some major news. Um, the unfortunate part of Cuomo being um, resigning is, number one, he's resigning and not being kicked the shit out of there. Um and that they're getting him for sexual um, misconduct, for, for groping a woman, which in itself, um, he should be facing criminal charges. Uh, secondly, nobody's mentioning the fact that he killed thousands of elderly people by his policies of putting them in rest homes. This is criminal to me that nobody is going there. It's ridiculous. And I, I, I think... The reason why he's bowing out this way is for protection, because there were other governors that did the same type of thing. And they want Cuomo out of there so that it th doesn't throw shade on the other governors. He, he you know, he got his $936,000 book deal on leadership during a pandemic. Hell, he'll probably be working for CNN by the end of the week. But it's this kind of irresponsibility that, again, throws up the credibility of of the CDC, the pandemic, Fauci, Cuomo, Biden, Harris, you name them. It's this type of shit that they do wrong things and then they try to cover it up. And again, I believe that he's going out on this on this groping um, uh, scandal because it's going to it would be a lot worse for him if they went for mass murder charges. Right. So, again, Cuomo is gone. Um, thank God, because he sucked. And um, I, I wonder if it will tarnish his father's legacy. Um, his Mario Cuomo um, was uh, New York royalty, being the governor of the state for so long. Um, I remember growing up, um, my grandparents live in New York, and uh, they always had fantastic things to say about Cuomo. They absolutely loved the guy. So 
Um, we'll see what happens to Andrew Cuomo. If he is done, I don't think he is. Um, he'll probably have a podcast here soon, so keep an eye out for that. Um, real quick, a note about um, last week we talked about Obama having um, his his big birthday party with 460-some people, unmasked, unsocial distance. Um, his his um, people came out and said, you know, um, it's too sophisticated of a crowd to worry about COVID. Um, they're, they're just, you know, they're in a different level. You know, it's, COVID doesn't mess with people like that, right? I mean, it just doesn't happen that way. Well, this is from the Daily Mail. It says that 63 people on Martha's Vineyard have tested positive for COVID-19 since Barack Obama's maskless 60th birthday party. The most cases on the island since April. So thank you, President Obama, for bringing COVID back to um, Martha's Vineyard. This is the most action that they've seen since they filmed Jaws. So that's awesome. Um. This is one from, this is congress.gov, actually. And this is um, from, it's a law being proposed by Representative Richie Torres out of New York. And it is uh, wanting to direct the security of Homeland Security to ensure that any individual traveling on a flight that departs from or arrives to an airport inside the United States or a terror territory of the United States is fully vaccinated against COVID-19 and for other purposes. This is just the start, people. I mean, this is a proposed law for, for airplanes. And again, this is arriving or departing inside the United States. This isn't outside the United States, right? So if I wanted to fly to Vegas, like I did a couple weeks ago, I would have to have my, my vaccine to be able to fly. If I wanted to fly anywhere. If you wanted to fly anywhere, you'd have to have the vaccine. Um, It's the start of this authoritarian um, move that they've slowly been trickling for um, for a while now. Um, We got Obama talking about, I mean, I'm not, sorry, not Obama, Biden. It's easy to get the two confused. Biden is talking about wanting to mandate vaccines for interstate travel. Now that uh, several cities are, are wanting to uh, mandate proof to do indoor things, um, Biden is, it wants to push for interstate travel. And I, I picture, you know, like how you wanted to go between like uh, Western Europe and Eastern Europe in, uh, in the 80s, right? And if you watch those old movies, one of my favorites was, uh, I don't know if you ever watched Gotcha, at uh, Anthony uh, Edwards. Um, Goose from Top Gun, right, where he's his college kid, and uh, him and his friends like to play paintball, and they go on a, a school trip to Europe, and uh, and he ends up getting mixed up in the spy caper. It's it's an awesome '80s movie. If you ever have a chance, check it out. Anyways, um, it just reminds me every time he wanted to, he had to travel between the two areas, they'd have to check his papers. Whenever he was over on the eastern side, whenever uh, an authority person confronted him. They'd always ask for his papers, right? And that's what this reminds me of. It's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm, I want to go to Chicago to go see a comic book convention. I want to go to Kansas City to watch a, a Steelers game. And uh, yes, I go to Kansas City to watch the Steelers play because I'm, I don't want to watch the Chiefs. Um, anyways, but it's like at the border, right? They got the dogs, they got the the fence, they got armed troops with machine guns, and they want to see your papers before you travel, right? And and 
if you if you don't have your papers, then they will probably uh, you know stick you for good measure or maybe give you a, a, a COVID test you know, to make sure that you're negative before they allow you to cross state lines. This sounds ridiculous, but this is really what it sounds like it's pushing for. Um, now, Biden comes back and says, he's like, look, um, I, I want to do this, but it's probably going to be really polarizing and not very positive thing to do right now. And so I'm going to, uh, I'm not going to approach it right now, right now. But I guarantee you, if demand gets up there, it's going to happen. I mean, there's if you look at the comments and the boards and and, and different news sites and and op-eds people want this because they are so afraid of covid and the deadly delta and they're so pissed at people not being vaccinated it's absolutely ridiculous to me and um and yeah i have no doubt that they'd have no problem limiting the rights of the unvaccinated because Fuck you. You're not vaccinated. You don't care about us. Why should we care about you? That's the attitude. And so, again, as an American citizen, you're looking at, you know, they're going to be dividing up the states. You're not going to be able to travel through certain states unless you have your papers. It's ironic to me that all those on the left always claimed, you know, that Trump was was this authoritarian fascist. Remember Antifa, right? They were, oh, well... You got to root for Antifa because, um, you, you know, they're against authoritarianism, right? You, you root it for the rebels against the empire. Why wouldn't you root for Antifa? Well, nobody's talking about the shit that's happening now. This is all fascist stuff that's going on. This is authoritarian stuff that's happening. And it's ridiculous to me that nobody is speaking out because they're all so fucking scared. You know, you ever see V for Vendetta? I know I do a lot of pop culture references, but I love movies. I like comics. I like stories. And um, I watched it the other night again. And uh, it, I was reminded of the fact that the way that the – this was in Britain, by the way. The way the British government got control and was able to put control down is because of a virus, because of a pandemic that was engineered in a laboratory. And they did it purely for the fact of control. And so there were curfews and and news media was was censored and under government control and they would manufacture whatever news they needed to. And, uh, and although they did it under they would call it they did it because they were a God fearing nation. Right. And uh, you couldn't have contraband like uh, there was a guy he was he had a copy of the Quran that he was hiding because and there is different art pieces that he was hiding because it would be considered contraband. We're not there, but the stuff that you see here just reminds me of all that. Um, there is um, let's see, there was a court case, a uh, uh, Supreme Court case that came up this week where a Indiana uh, University student uh, tried to. Uh, get a hold on the vaccine's uh, mandates for the university. And uh, the Supreme Court, um, especially uh, Amy Coney Barrett, uh, rejected the stay on the on the mandatory vaccines, saying that uh, the university has a right to set its own policy. So there's not a lot of support up on the Hill um, with this. Uh, the military is wanting to push ahead for um, vaccines, and um, mandatory vaccines. And uh, that really 
bothers me a lot, actually, um, because this is um, this is stuff that, um, again, it's the military, right? Stuff that you wouldn't think would, um, where they would force their troops. I mean, you get a lot of vaccinations in the army anyways, or in the military. But again, to push a unapproved FDA vaccine is insane to me. So um, Marine Corps General Berger, I love this. This guy is a national hero for, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he uh, rebuked Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's edict requiring all armed forces personnel to submit to a COVID-19 vaccination under threat of court-martial or discharge. Now imagine that, being a member of the military, but you're going to get court-martialed or discharged because you don't have a vaccine. Um, you know, it, again, it goes back to them wanting to tie in anti-vaxxers to an extremist group. And this is just another part of it, right? Anyways, General Berger comes out and he says this, and I love this. Under no circumstances will Marines be compelled to take potentially hazardous vaccination that the FDA won't even fully endorse. You are a coward and a traitor, manipulated by people pushing bad policy on the men and women who provide security to our nation. Neither you nor your puppet president has authority to enforce such a uh, policy. Fuck yeah. That's what I'm saying. Because <laughs> it's about time someone had the balls to say it because everybody in the joint seat, um, joint chief is just kissing Biden's ass. Um, This is a, it, it just, again, blows me away that you have so many people pushing a vaccine that is not fully tested. Um, Let's see here. Moving right along. All right, so we got here also. Um, where is it? There we go. We have this massive budget proposal. $3.5 trillion budget. This is insane, okay? Um, this is from The Federalist, and it says... $3.5 trillion budget resolution would transform the U.S. economy as we know it. There is so much pork in this bad boy. It is ridiculous. Not truly a um, a, a infrastructure um, bill. So it says, uh, the weeks upon weeks of negotiations leading up to a passage of $1 trillion infrastructure bill were just the prelude to the absolute whopper that is the Bernie Sanders budget resolution. Now, is there any more words feared than Bernie Sanders' budget resolution. Because that would scare the shit out of me to think that Bernie Sanders has a budget resolution that people are taking seriously. Um, this guy failed Economy 101. He, I mean, he's socialist, and, and I don't use that term lightly. I'm not, somebody, I'm not somebody who's like, oh, well, you're a socialist. But this guy truly is, and he admits it. Uh, the $3.5 trillion document is a full-on attempt to remake the American economy. The labor markets blow off our immigration laws, rewrite the tax code, impose a climate agenda, and profoundly alter the relationship between the government and those it governs. Among the bill's highlights, amnesty for illegal immigrants, which, if you haven't been paying attention, the border is in absolutely beautiful shape. So much so that the Supreme Court has actually said that they need to implement, that Biden needs to implement Trump's border regulations again. That's how, that's how beautiful it is down there on the border. It rewrites Medicaid statutes to bypass the Hyde prohibition on federal funding for abortion. Not a surprise. Again, 
when you have a Republican in office, they take away the funding. When you have a Democrat in the office, they put it back on. It's like the the cheap sheepdog and the coyote uh, on the Bugs Bunny cartoons. And it's like, hey Ralph, how's it going? And then they like clock in, and you know they're enemies when they're clocked in, and then they're buddies. They go grab a beer when they're clocked out. Uh, universal pre kindergarten for three and four year olds, paid family and medical leave, tuition free community college. Medicare expansion for dental, hearing, and vision. Expansive climate change programs. Language similar to the PRO Act, which is a card check program for labor organizing, making it easier to unionize. Expansion of the SALT deduction. I don't know what that is. I'll have to look that up. Um, Empowers the IRS with more enforcement capabilities does not include an extension of pandemic un- unemployment benefits, which is a good thing, um, does not include a debt limit increase, which sets up a September showdown, so they're going to have to add more money to this thing. Up to half to the up to half of the $3.5 trillion is financed with new debt. No surprise. They don't balance the books anyways. Increased taxes on corporations and those making more than $400,000 a year decreases taxes on those making less, allegedly. It is important to note that congressional budgets are blueprints. Budget resolutions never become law. They merely provide the umbrella document or the outline under which appropriations. The actual spending takes place. Much of the process will begin in September when September, or I'm sorry, when Senate committees put forward their reconciliation bill. Reconciliation also has an associated unlimited amendment process or vote a Rama and passes with a simple majority. Taken together, this current $1 trillion infrastructure bill plus the $3.5 trillion budget resolution, which will be accompanied with a reconciliation bill of potentially an even greater amount, is one of the most aggressive efforts from Democrats in the modern era to transform the economy and their image. At some level, you have to respect the moxie Democrats are using. A Democrat's only reconciliation um, package to transform the country. Republicans couldn't even muster the votes on their own side to use reconciliation to repeal Obamacare. Now, again, this is very aggressive, but it's because of the fact that um, come 2022, Democrats are expecting to lose the House and the Senate. And so they're pushing through everything they can to get everything they need to. Now, this is stuff that all Biden mentioned in his non-State of the Union. Um but it, it's stuff that is basically, again, he's paying back those that helped him get into office. You know, the abortions, the the pre-K, the free community college, the union stuff, um, the IRS. It's, it's ridiculous. And that's what he's pushing forward on. Um, so keep an eye on that. Reach out to your congressman if you so choose to tell them to not vote for this. Now, as far as I know, from what I've heard, there are a number of Republicans that are voting for this, including everybody's favorite, Mitch McConnell. Um, so it, it's it's a bullshit bill. It's got a lot of pork in it, and I imagine he's going with it because um, he gets something out of it, probably for his state, probably for his, his folk. I don't know, but um, it's dumb. <laughs> That's all I can say about it. And uh, it's going to screw us all over. Now, to help pay for this this bill, um, or for the new debt, Biden is uh, he's proposing a a new mileage tax. 
And this is going into, um, let's see, the it's HR 3.684. And it is um, basically a highway, it's an infrastructure bill, okay? And so it says, the new National Motor Vehicle Per Mile User Fee Pilot Program found in Title Three of H.R. 3684 is a regressive tax by another name. While pundits argue that the cost and benefits of a commercial vehicle mileage tax, the inclusion of a passenger vehicle in the program should be a huge red flag. The massive price tag of the recent infrastructure package, taken together with the upcoming fight of Biden's administration $3.5 trillion budget, has left Democrats in Congress scrambling to find new revenue. Um, now, the Highway Trust Fund was established in uh, 1956, and it receives revenue from the federal gas tax to build to help with highways and, and interstate. Um, it's funded by an 18.4 cent, 18.4 cent per te- gallon federal tax on gasoline and a 24.4 cent gallon on diesel. Um, the Title III includes a $58 million over the next four years of new spending for research and development of new programs related to transportation and infrastructure. You're looking at electric cars, most likely. Although, if you're going to take that money, I'd really rather you put it on flying cars, because that would be much sweeter. Um, it says that a mileage-based tax on uh, motor vehicles shows a lot of promise. Um, it's, um, unfortunately, not a tax on the rich. Um it's going to be a tax on everybody else. Um, it's going to tax because they don't—they're not taxing air, airline flight, right? If you're rich, or if you're say you're um, leasing a driver to drive you someplace, um, it's not going to affect you. So it's not going to affect the rich. It's going to affect us that go on vacation, us that want to go to Florida, us that want to travel to the national parks with our families. It's going to drag us all down, and I don't know how they're going to mandate that. I imagine they're going to have to implement something in the vehicles. Um, I, I don't know how they're going to be able to to check it. Um, that's the only thing I can think of is that they're going to have to implement something in your vehicle that they can keep track of the mileage you drive. Now, if you're if you commute, um, you're fucked. <laughs> Um, if you like to travel, say you're an empty nester, right, and you got an RV that you like to travel around in the during the se- um, off seasons, or if you're um, snowbirds, these are all things you're going to have to pay tax on now. Again, this is Biden trying to combat um, climate change at the same time as try to raise some revenue to pay for his, these massive bills. Because one of the things besides gas that he's going to try to bill uh, or tax, because remember. You know, he he cut production in the United States, and uh, it's causing prices to go up, which he wants because it's going to force you to find alternate means of transportation. Now this new mileage tax is going to add on top of that because the more you drive, the more carbon you create. So if you limit your driving or find different ways to do it, then, you know, you just put... A couple, like a couple hundred million into the new Amtrak system. So maybe they're really pushing that. You know, all this stuff is some bullshit that that Biden is putting in place to kick off this environmentalist um, um, plans that he has, this climate change battling. Because again, that is his priority. This is all stuff that he has set up to put you on the government, government teat, as it were. 
and to help fight climate change. And and this is stuff that's going around the world, right? Um, you know, it, it's all control stuff. You know, this tied in with the pandemic stuff, with the, the mandates. You know, these are the type of mandates you see in Europe, you know, in Australia. You know, Australia has armed troops on the ground to enforce lockdowns. That's Australia. That's an ally of ours, right? These are guys that that are allies against China with us. Um, and, and it's like we're all turning into China. As much as we criticize China, it's like every country out there is now turning into China. Um, it, it's horrible. Um, but that that's where we're going. So um, to recap the, the, the mandates, you got... Um, Biden wanting to mandate um, vaccine proof of vaccine to for interstate travel. You got a government or a, a congressman um, wanting to mandate uh, vaccines for flying in and out of airports. You have um, four cities, major cities, um, that are um, enforcing vaccine mandates. You have colleges and hospitals. And police forces and the military all wanting to enforce um, vaccines. Um, it's uh, not a good place to be a, a freedom-loving American. Um, but I, I think that um, there's enough people out there in enough states that they'll push back. You know, I, I you got to believe that. You, you can't focus on the negative. You know, you focus on, it's like I always tell my wife, you know, you focus on your family, you focus on what's local, and and that will, that that's where you need to put your energy, because if you try to focus on a worldwide stage, on a national stage, it's going to drive you insane. It just is. Um, there are a number of people out there that are fighting. Um, you just got to support them, you know, and, and stand together with those of like-mindedness. Um, but there's a lot of people that they, they see this for what it is. And it's, um, it's a, it's a battle for the ideology for the, the soul of the country. And I don't say that lightly. I'm not somebody who's like, oh, well, they're not going to put a Christmas tree in Central Park. And so they must hate America or they're not, uh, letting that guy fly a flag, um, for his, um, because it's home committee um, or homeowners uh, association. No, this is something that, um, again, the government is being very aggressive, pushing these mandates, pushing uh, these infrastructure bills, these budget resolutions, um, trying to flip the country over because they know they are on limited time. They need to get the bare bones of what they want in place before 2022 because once that's in place, then... uh, they, it's hard to go back on it, right? And when you have the Supreme Court is is backing, you know, these mandates through universities, and, and I'm I'm one also that you know I, I don't like masks, I I don't like to wear masks. Um, I will wear a mask around somebody who you know is may feel uncomfortable with me being around not having a mask. I may I would wear a mask, you know, if it's uh, if it's need it to go into a hospital or if it's a privately owned business, um, my comic book store that I typically go to, they require masks. I don't like doing it, but it's a privately owned business and I'll be respectful for that. Now, if I it's not required, like it currently isn't at, say, Walmart or um, Hy-Vee or whatever, and, and somebody comes up to me and says, where's your mask? 
tell them to back the fuck up because they're not required and I'm not wearing one. If you're so concerned about it, show up during your special moonlight uh, shopping time where, you know, you, you can wear your mask and nobody gives a shit. You know, it's about personal responsibility and my responsibility is towards my family. So, um, that's where we're sitting at. Um, Biden continues to push, kick the can down the street. And, every, you know, I love how people are always talking about how America is the laughing stock of the country. Or of the world, I'm sorry, not of the country. <laughs> of the world because, you know, of people's attitudes towards vaccines and, and masks. But these are the people that aren't paying attention to the rest of the world. Because there are a number of protests across the world in France and Spain and England and, and Australia um, of, of people that are trying to fight for those freedoms. But they don't have the same they don't have the same bare bones foundation that the United States has, where there are states like I read before, Alabama, um, Iowa, North Dakota, Texas, Florida, that can fight back against the federal government and say, no, we're not going to do this. And so Biden has to try to find ways to get around the state government, which as of right now is not possible. So I'm sure he's going to come back and say, you know, for the good of the, the country, for the good of public health, for the good of um, national security, this needs to be done. But it's not as easy as that. Now, these other countries, they don't have that kind of structure in place. It's like when, uh, who's the, the, the prince that's married to uh, Meghan Markle's? I can't stand that chick. Um, she drove me crazy in suits. Um, anyways, that prince, is it Harry? I don't remember. Anyways, he's the, uh, he ended up coming out and being like, you know, I just don't understand the First Amendment. I don't understand how a country can um, allow the First Amendment. And that, that just right there should be picture perfect of what it is to be an American citizen. The fact that your your mother country is, is uh, of England, in which, you know, we're the colonials, right? doesn't understand freedoms that have been in place. <laughs> that is one of the reasons why that have been in, in place since we broke away from that country. And and that should tell you everything you need to know about the international community. Yeah, we're laughing stock, probably, but they don't understand what it's like to have those freedoms. And so you got to fight for them because if you don't, you end up like Afghanistan where you got good people there who who they want freedom, they want independence, but they don't know what it's like to have it. They don't know what it's like to actually fight for it. You know, you see, you hear about how Afghanistan is is fought back all of these these in, invasions since the beginning of time. You know, the British, the Russians, the Americans, whatnot. But it wasn't it wasn't a coordinated effort by the people. You know, it, there was always it was the always the strong men that were already in place, the warlords, you know, the opium dealers that that fought it back. And, and they used they used the people to to push back. It, it was never something that they actually wanted. It was something that they were told to have. It's same with Haiti, right? With or, or Haiti, Haiti. I don't know. I, I was told I pronounced it wrong. But, you know, they just had their president assassinated. Well, this is a country that every 
power exchange has been violent. There's not been one where someone's like, oh, you won the, the election. Congratulations. Best of luck. No, it, it's always been a violent power over um, overturn of power. And again, the, these the Haitians, they, they don't know what it is they're missing because they've never had it. Well, I, I would like to think that we as Americans know what it's like, but as I see younger generations come up, I don't know if they know the value of freedom. I don't know if they know the value of what they have because you see them saying, oh, well, I don't like what the guy, that guy's saying, so he shouldn't be able to say it. I've always stood by, I think Craig's always said, um, and he, he didn't, he did not create this quote, okay? It was a French philosopher, maybe it was Voltaire, um, that said, uh, um, I may not agree with what you're saying, but I will fight for your right to say it. And and that's exactly it. I may not like what you're saying, but I'll fight for your right to say it. I may not agree with the fact that, um, you know, you think I should wear a mask or that I should be vaccinated. You should be able to say that, though, in a kind way, <laughs> because a lot of those people out there that are saying it are not saying it in the best way. Now, you got Biden out there who is is helping to push this hostility and this division. And did I say Obama? Because again, I'm, I'm, I keep getting Obama and Biden confused. They are so similar. It's really hard to not say it. Um, but you got Biden out there who's helped pushing saying that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Well, is it though? Because it seems like it's a, a pandemic of, of, control mongering it's a pandemic of fear it's not a pandemic of the unvaccinated it's a pandemic of those that are scared it's a pandemic of those that are afraid for their families and and when you have the cdc manufacturing numbers when you have school boards pushing fear and and you have local governments pushing fear it you're just creating this pandemic of fear and a mask and a vaccine is not going to cure that and now that they know they can get you with fear, they're going to get you every time. So this has been your weekend wrap-up, and I think I was able to stay on track with time. Craig would be proud. Uh, Craig will be back next time, and he will be back for our live show on Monday night. I'm not sure what we're talking about. We wing it, and it's worked out well. So... Check us out on all social media platforms and on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and any that I'm missing. And you can hear us on YouTube or any other platform that uh, you can listen to podcast on. Um, never stop talking. Break the motherfucking bell. And I will see you on Monday, if not next week, for... Um, our next weekend update. Again, this is me from the bell tower sitting in the captain's chair and you have a great weekend. Peace. The break the bell podcast is brought to you by you. So pat yourself on the back because without you, we would be talking to ourselves. A special thanks to our Patreon members, Remzo and Justin. A shout out to our sponsors, run your mouth coffee. The On The Run Podcast, and Goulash Media. If you'd like to help support us, visit patreon.com slash breakthebell or buy our garbage at breakthebell.bigcartel.com. 
Get back here next week and let us continue to invade your ear holes. And as always, never stop talking.